0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Broering from MusketeerReport.com.
1: Welcome into the podcast for this Thursday, December the 29th. Hopefully, if you're not listening today, you're listening on Friday the 30th or maybe even the 31st. And then we'll be back again on Monday with yet another podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12.com, along with Chad Bendel from Bearcat Journal, and Rick Roaring from Musketeer Report. Let's uh, start with last night, obviously. We kind of got First, lucky with the Thursday podcast.
2: You got something off the, off the, off the bat? I just want to make sure Rick's all right. It's a, it's a bad night for Rick. DePaul, heartbreaking loss against Villanova, <laughs> and then UCLA falls at, at Oregon. Are you okay?
0: Yeah, I. I uh um, the
2: DePaul game had to just be a killer for you?
0: Well, I've, I'm not really a DePaul fan anymore. They got rid of Tommy Hamilton, okay. so you haven't really been keeping up with the Dayton Victory Podcast, clearly. But yeah, DePaul not really my team. I didn't think they would be anything this year, and uh, pushed
1: pushed Nova to the brink.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Now they look like they're uh, good. So maybe I'm back on the bandwagon. Haven't quite made my mind up on there. We'll, we'll, I'll have to listen to Dave Latos post game comments and feel like feel if I. I get the energy from him after that.
1: Dave Latel, 2.0. Is that working out well?
0: Uh, what would be your definition of working out? I, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> I know. I, I don't I mean, they, they just almost but, beat Villanova. When right?
1: does, yeah, almost, though. You know what that counts for? Nothing. Nothing. Zero and, zilch. Because as and, I look at the conversation right now, it says 0-1. Uh, it 's to Paul, so I understand that there are there small are degrees victories to, of victories small for victories mm-hmm. they got I guess a small one last night we 'll touch on the ucla game in a little bit, too
0: just for you yeah and i don't i 'm not a ucla guy it 's our, our team it 's uh, our team in fact, up until this year i 'd say I was anti ucla my entire life, but this team is so damn fun to watch you can 't
2: not enjoy them i 'm anti North Carolina and Monmouth they are, I, I hate both of them now, okay, because they played. No, because they played before the Cincinnati Temple game. And it was delayed? It was in the final four minutes. And they wouldn't cut away? They fouled. It was a 25 to 30 point game. Yes, it was. was And there was a foul on every possession in the final four minutes.
1: 114 to
2: seventy? It was ridiculous. But literally, there was a foul on every possession in the final four minutes of a 25 point game.
1: You could have seen some stuff on the internets. You could have watched that. You could have, have, have listen to it on radio. I did. I had my headphones on sure. and listened to it.
2: Okay, just making but sure. it was just ridiculous. I mean, the, the, I, the I game was really, over.
1: Quit oh. fouling each other. Maybe there was a point spread involved, and they both knew it. All right, and that's talking North Carolina and Monmouth. <laughs> exactly. There you I hate go. both of them now for eternity. Um, one thing you don't hate, though, is UC winning last night, however ugly it was over Temple. and It, it was ugly, and, and they've... they've They've still shown they can do some ugly things, but they do show that they they can win on the road. And this was one of the games, really, when you looked at it, this was one of the three to five challenging games they were going to have in the league.
2: Well, I, I think my biggest takeaway is really none of their main four guys played well, and they still got to win. So, you know, in, in years past, you, you've got to have a couple, you know, they really needed a couple guys to be clicking, but there was enough balance last night that they were able to to gut it out and play well down the stretch. and.
1: Think you have to give a a, a lot of credit to Jaron Cumberland in the final five minutes. It, it was uh, the, the three he hit wouldn't have been my best shot to take, but he he drained it, and that's all that matters. And it was obviously a huge, huge shot. Um, so you know, tip of the cap to the kid. It was it was it came at a huge time. They had to have it.
2: He is um, notorious for being a uh, a bad shot maker. Yeah, um, I and mean, that kind and of and was a bad his,
1: shot taker though too.
2: Yeah, but I mean, he makes a, a pretty pretty high percentage of some of those things that he takes where you're, you know, no, no, no. All right. I mean, that, you know, he he lived off that in, in EYBL play. So um, it, it, more than anything, it was just good to see him get his confidence going and, and Mick trusting him in the final five minutes of a game and, and seeing what he can do.
0: And he really helped pull him out. Yeah, I think we've seen the thing we've seen about Jaron his entire career is that he's not afraid, and and no. quite honestly, it's more of like an annoyance I think when he looks around and he sees some other guys being passive, and that's what I think you saw in the second half is he's to the point on this team where he goes, okay, well if you're going to leave me on the court during these moments, I'm taking it. I'll be the guy. Yeah. I have zero issues with that. How about that outlet pass? Do you see that? He can. Pa- that's the other thing that has been underrated about his game because as much of a. A shot jacker as he can be at times. He does have an IQ. Well, he knows how to play. He also
2: right after that he had a great pass to Trey Scott where he kind of he drove the lane and, and got in a tough spot where he wasn't going to be able to get the shot up and flipped it to Trey Scott for a dunk. But and he threw a seventy foot outlet pass to Jacob Evans that was just perfect. I mean, Kevin Love
0: was like, yeah, that's it's a good outlet pass. I mean, it was it was high level let me ask you this what's the uh reaction from the uc fan base on your message board after that game is it one which is uh i think would they'd be rightful in feeling again hey it's a close game on the road that last year we absolutely would have found a way to lose right and somehow again we win a game even when like you said four guys don't play well or is it Hey, we go on the road to play a decent team, and immediately the offense disappears again. We play a slow, ugly style of basketball, and we barely beat a Temple team that's mediocre and that played as bad as it could possibly play, missed every shot it took. Little on their of both. Home
2: court. Little of both. Um, it's you know, there's going to be two sides to it, and I think you know both sides have some credence. Um, I, the thing with last night, though, I didn't feel like. It was uh, the pace was. T- I mean, it, it got that way towards the end. It, it slowed to a halt, but uh, especially in the first half, I thought they were getting up. And you know, both teams were playing at a decent clip. Mm-hmm. They just neither of them could score. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from it is they played man for forty minutes and were really good at it. Um, and and a lot of that is uh, Kyle Washington being on the bench and, and Trey Scott really starting to blossom into somebody that he 's not you know going to be a great offensive threat. He had a huge and one. I think he had six rebounds and five points and right around twenty twenty two minutes or whatever it was um, yeah twenty one minutes you know he he 's starting to develop into a guy that is a specialist, but when they play those smaller teams, Marshall, you saw him in the second half, made a huge impact, and then again with Temple, he made a huge impact. Um, Now Cumberland's coming on. You know, our biggest question at the beginning of the season was the bench. Cumberland's coming on. Trey Scott proving he can play. Justin Jennifer doesn't hurt you when he's on the floor anymore like he did a season ago. Um, Nysir Brooks, when they play teams that are bigger, has given you some minutes. I mean, they played the bench sixty minutes last night. Yeah, I mean, that's, a,
1: that's a player and a half.
2: Yeah, and even Quadri Moore, five points. He hit a big three and had a nice driving layup. He gave up like eight points right after that. But um, you know, they're getting production from those guys, and those guys are finding a spot and and starting to be relevant, which is what they needed.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, let's go to Kyle Washington because it just seems like it's so hit or miss right now for him, and and he he got limited minutes again last night. Is it a case where
0: if it's not working, they're just going to get him out and get somebody else going? We talked about earlier in the year, I mentioned the fact that he catches the ball so far away from the basket in the post. And this is, this is why I said that's going to be an issue, because when you're not hitting that really difficult turnaround flip shot on the right, road, right. now all of a sudden you've limited yourself in what you can do when yeah. you're 12 feet from the basket or 8 feet from the basket. He never catches the ball 3 feet from the rim, where all he's got to do is do a drop, step, and finish. He makes but, it so uh, he, hard. He almost
2: doesn't even have a drop, step, and finish, because he, he, he concentrates so much on playing in that 10 to 13 feet range. But, I
0: mean, dude, he should just watch Emmett Holt at Providence, who's a very similar built type of guy, a six-seven, undersized, mobile big man. They run tons of stuff where he's just slipping to the rim quickly or ducking a guy in quickly, and he's catching the ball right at the rim where he makes life a lot easier on himself.
2: Kyle does not make anything easy on himself.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, he's, he's a frustrating player to watch because he is really good at times.
2: Well, but the, the, It was the ultimate sin last night of, of a big man in college basketball. So I know Skinny will, will agree with me on this. Took his first three and made it.
1: Yeah, no. Then all of a sudden, guess what? I'm having a night. Yeah, it's it's an automatic heat check from there on out. Ah, I missed the next one, but you know what? I made my first one. I'm, yeah. going, I'm going for some more. But jack another one up, and it just it's and it's he, it's not it's 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 a bad thing when that
2: happens. Well, and he's he's getting pushed around on the glass, I think, which is a big part of why he's sitting. Uh, the a flock poo kid or whatever the hell his name is uh, at the I think it was the under eight timeout in the first half to get at seven rebounds. You see, as a team had six. Or eight, so um, he was he was shoving Kyle wherever he wanted him to go and getting the basketball. And Kyle wasn't, you know, defensively he wasn't where he needed to be and mix Adam and put Trey Scott in and, and Trey Scott is, is relishing the opportunity to get these minutes right now.
1: But I think that's a, in a way that's a good thing because you know, in certain circumstances, Kyle Washington is the perfect fit and maybe not Trey Scott in certain, certain circumstances is the perfect fit. And yeah. so one doesn't work, put the other one in the other one doesn't work. I'll put the other one in. I, I, I think that's a, that's not a bad thing.
2: No, it's not. And, and you know, I, I've wanted to see what they showed the last two games all season. And that was Trey Scott and Gary Clark playing together. And while it's not, as good as, you know, Justin Jackson and Titus Rubles, uh, in terms of their ability to just lock people down. I think you saw last night in a lot of ways that those two have some of those same qualities and especially down the stretch in the final two minutes, Trey Scott gets a block shot. Gary Clark gets a, a steal. Um, Jacob Evans had the block on Dingle uh, on the second-to-last possession uh, because they were just switching everything, and they were long enough and athletic enough to take away what Temple wanted to do. And uh, that that really, for me, especially last year, was the key to to why they lost so many close games. It always came down to not being able to get that key stop. And when they got the key stop, they couldn't get that rebound. Uh, At Temple last year in double overtime – they Daniel Dengo got a, a putback with you know as time basically time expired to win by two. Uh, they just couldn't get those those plays you know complete, and now maybe they're finding a roster or a lineup at the end of games that's going to be able to close people out, which. Can go a long way.
1: And again, it's a road win over arguably the fourth or fifth best, may third, fourth, fifth best team in the league. So,
2: I mean, RPI
1: though the top team in the league, but yeah. But I think all said and done, arguably the third, fourth, or fifth best team in yeah. the league. That's well, that's not a bad way to start league play.
2: No, and I, the thing I worry about with Temple going forward though is they are getting really thin number wise. Um, from what I've heard, Josh Brown, their starting point guard, is going to redshirt. If he plays in another he, – he, right now he's got an Achilles issue. If he plays in another game, he's not eligible for a medical redshirt. So they're contemplating what to do right now with him to try to get him back or to, to sit him for the year. And I think they're going to sit him for the year. So they're, that gives him seven guys. Well, as
1: I say, that's basically he played He played four guys 33 minutes or more last yeah. night and really played two guys off the bench. Another kid got two minutes. But that you're right. I mean, it was basically a seven-man team and really not much of a seven-man team because four of the guys playing 33 minutes. That, that maybe doesn't hit you in game one, but by game 12, 13, 14 right. in the league, it's going to catch up to him.
2: Well, you. You I think you can already see it starting to catch up with like a, an and an, an Echionia, who's really struggled his last two games. He's played heavy minutes all year already. You know they they've gotten a lot of run run out of their freshmen, but uh, Alani Moore is a, is a heavy volume guy. Um, the, the fourth or fifth might be a, where they end yeah, up. Yeah, probably. I think.
1: Uh, before we move on to Xavier, let's uh, touch really quickly though on the rest of the AAC. Anything stand out from from uh, from the first night of action?
2: Um, I did. Spend a lot of time on Tuesday night watching SMU and Memphis, who I think are going to be the Four two teams. Yeah. I, I wasn't impressed with either, to be quite honest with you. Neither of them have a point guard. Um, they've got some good talent. They've got some pieces that can hurt you. But boy, down the end of the stretch, the, the stretch run of that game, both teams were just miserable because they didn't have anybody that could initiate offense. There's a lot of just standing around. Did you,
1: and say, did you see? and I should look at this up. Hopefully, you know it off the top of your head. Do they play home and home with both, or with no. only
2: one. Memphis, they have at UC, but they don't go to Memphis okay. this year. But they do have home and home. They with do school. have home and okay. home with SMU. All
1: right. And your UConn's laying another egg. They are
2: really, especially. I mean, especially with Jalen Adams out with the concussion right now, they scored 12 points in the first half against. It's awful. Just
1: just awful. Dreadful. And lastly, uh, UC's next game will be before our next podcast. They play Sunday night against uh, Tulane at home. They stink. Tulane is really bad. 3-10, and 0-1 in the league. They lost their league opener. They're They're, they're, they're bad. what,
2: 348 in the RPI or something? They're, they're
1: 3, 340. Those are this morning. They're one of the 15 worst teams in college basketball. That's just bad. Just plain bad. Let's move on to Xavier with a, an impressive win. Um, Providence did have a really good non-league. They, they played way above what I think you would thought and everybody thought. And all of a sudden last night, Xavier smacks them pretty good.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they had the loss to Boston College last week coming into this. That sort of signified, eh, maybe, maybe. maybe pump, things pump aren't the, as that, good that, as the they breaks just I, in, <laughs>
2: I didn't get to see it last night because I was at a, a, a birthday party for my stepmom. But that, from the sound of things following along and, and, and listening a little bit on the way home, that sounded like a team that could lose to Boston College. It sounded like Xavier just whipped their ass
0: yeah it was, it was complete domination um, that being said, I mean Providence isn't far off some of the other teams Xavier has played this year and struggled against and, and just you know not been able to close out wins easily over. Xavier played better in every facet i mean there's Trayvon Blewett was exceptional. That's maybe as well as I've played. And, and Skinner, one of the things you've brought up about him this year is you'd like to see him drive more yeah. and, and be more of a playmaker off the bounce. Last night was as aggressive as we've ever seen him, not just in terms of looking to score and drive and get to the rim, but looking to make plays for other people and and, and seeing the court. When he does that, this this is a different team. He's a different bear to deal with because he is such a good pull-up guy off the dribble – on the offensive end, as a scorer, But he still,
1: he still managed to get eight threes up. So I mean, he, he yeah, I mean, he was, was shooting. Yeah, don't no, don't right, get me right, wrong, right. but like.
0: When he's driving and looking to make plays for other guys, this I mean, you really can't defend him because he does have a really nice feel for the game. JP was doing the same thing. Even Malcolm Bernard and then obviously Edmund Sumner were getting into the lane and attacking constantly. And the other thing uh, about the offensive performance was Providence came out in a 2-3 matchup zone, I think because Xavier had really struggled against some various zones that they'd right. seen throughout the non-conference. And Xavier absolutely picked it apart by rotating their wings through the middle of the zone, bouncing it into Sumner or Blewitt or whoever's there at the high post, and then them getting mid-range or yeah. slipping it to Gaston.
2: Yeah. And Sumner in the middle of the zone is
0: just lethal to think about because that, that, that's the place he can shoot yeah. the ball yeah. from. Well,
2: and, and, and he's a great playmaker
0: from there. Yeah, he's so long that it's like you can't you can't be well, like a late closeout right, right. or anything. He's like
2: putting a six eight, eight guy in there, but the skills of a point guard, right? Because he's so long and he can actually see the floor and. Uh, you know, and distribute and score from that spot because if he attacks you, attacks a big man in the middle of a two-three zone coming out of that middle right. spot. What's I mean, a big guy's helpless. He's on an island,
1: and he's going to find he's going to find a place to pass it. He's yep. going to find it every single time. I mean, he had a uh, kind of a tail of two halves, but still, thirteen point seven assists. I think he take it every every time.
0: Yeah, I thought he was really good last night. I know he started a little so, yeah. slow, and Chris, you know, kind of criticized his first half in the post game. But I thought even even his mistakes in the first half weren't the type of. Things we had seen from him earlier in the year where it's like, oh, that's careless. You've you got to take better care of the ball type of stuff. It was just like, hey, the ball got away from him. Maybe right. his fingers bothered him or whatever. He was trying to make a play that didn't work. But uh, w- when he was on last night, especially like there's an instance where they got down to four on the shot clock, gave him the ball back with four at the top of the key with a full defense set in front of him. And instead of trying to do a two dribbles and step, step back, back and right. shoot a long three, he found a way to slither all the way through their defense basically with two seconds and get, get a finger roll off right before the buzzer and just – an incredible finish. He, he had some incredible plays last night.
1: You got nine for nine out of between Gaston and, and, and O'Mara last night.
0: And then you had Tyreek Jones, 10 yeah, for right. 10. Yeah, right. 10 for 10. You're right. With, with uh, 22 points and, and 11 rebounds and just completely dominated Providence's front court. And obviously. And
1: literally, if you combine the three, 41 minutes, basically one guy. Yeah, it, I mean, that's that's it, right. their
0: five. Right. And, and, and that's exactly the type of performance you want out of them. I uh, mean, it, as I'm efficient sure you can, as you can possibly I'm be. i sure you
1: can be a whole lot better than that.
0: Um, and, you know, they could have obviously grabbed a few more rebounds. But what they've been doing this year, and we've talked about this, is they box out really well and then allows a guy like Trayvon Blue to get nine boards. Nine defensive rebounds is what he got. I mean, yeah.
1: that, that, that'll tell you that right there. So obviously uh, an impressive, impressive start for Xavier against the team they should have beat, but just did it very impressively.
0: Yeah, and I think the, uh, you know, Rasheed then has been playing really well, but Sean O'Mara has been really struggling um, up until this point. And last night he goes three yeah. for three and, and gets a little bit of confidence going I see, what and looks solid. What
1: do you think that does for him moving forward?
0: well I think the biggest thing is we knew this was in his head like he he may he may not be great, he may not be able to provide Xavier twenty minutes a game and and be as good as Rashid Gaston. But we've seen him be better than he was for the last five or six games. I mean, he did that last year in Big East play. Right. He, was, he was good at times off the bench. So he can be better, and hopefully him seeing the ball go in a few times, not missing those bunnies, will help him get some confidence back. And once he has some confidence back, we know he can score. He might not be able to rebound and defend at the level you'd like, but he can definitely score in the post. So uh, it, I think Xavier was happy to see him going. And also, Kaiser Gates, he looks 100% physically again. He was moving tremendously last night, got switched on to Kyron Cartwright Providence's point guard a few times, had no issues staying in front of him.
2: Um, are you uh, are you grateful to cover Xavier University?
0: Uh, apparently, the, the scribes in the Centa Center media room did not look appreciative enough to be there last night because... What? What? <laughs> Ed Cooley was really wanted to make sure that we were appreciative of our opportunity to cover Big East basketball and Xavier. What, what
1: did he say? I like he said that. I, I like crazy Ed. I do. I he do. said that. Did,
0: did he have another medical condition issue last night? No, it was ju- he literally just said, I hope like this league is a monster. I'll drop the audio in here. But- okay, yeah. But again, it's our league, you know, our, our league. Where,
2: oof, this league is a monster, monster, monster. You guys get the privilege, a privilege. All you writers and everybody that's watching TV, a privilege to come to a Big East game. Don't ever, don't ever take
0: that for granted. Well, let me ask you: Do you appreciate it? I do. Because okay. here's the thing: I used to have to cover the A10, and if I was still writing preview articles about Fordham and St. Louis and LaSalle and St. Bonaventure, the Bonnies, I would not be doing this anymore. I would have quit two years ago, absolutely no questions asked. It was I hated it, and now I love. Covering each Big East game, so. so Ed Cooley hit the right right spot for you then, right? Well, he I was already appreciative. Spot. I felt bad that like, wait, did I not look appreciative enough when you came in here, Ed?
1: This is probably Shannon. Do you appreciate his head? I'm just asking. Did you or did you not? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on. All right, let's uh, let's talk about about the the first night of the league. Um, we'll talk about the, the the Georgetown game on Saturday for just a second. Obviously, we talked a little bit earlier about Nova and DePaul. Um. Stuff like that can kind of happen from time to time. But anything else you can make out of the rest of the league?
2: But, you know what? I, I, I'm i getting the sense that, that there might be a little nick in the armor on, on Villanova and that teams are starting to go small and matching them with that small lineup and giving them a little bit of trouble. It sounds like Providence did that. LaSalle did that and gave them a little bit of problems. And that's something I don't think X would be afraid to to go just as small as they are and try to beat them at their
0: own type of game. Well, I mean, X has been building their team the last few years to basically model themselves after Villanova. So they're kind of already playing that style and you're right. They'll go even smaller if that's what Villanova wants to do. I guess we talked to, we previewed the Big East conference on our last podcast on the Dana victory, uh, the other night. And it, that was kind of our our take with this Villanova team is like I don't see a lot of weaknesses or any necessarily, but if there is one, it's that they're not deep in the post, they're not strong, and they don't really like they don't see that as their strength. So you're right, I think maybe the fact that other teams are confident enough to go small, play a more skilled lineup, gives them a better chance of executing against this Villanova defense. Josh Hart's awesome. He's really good. And that's the other thing that's kind of fun about that game is while you got the scare from DePaul, that happened. Josh Hart did not take himself out of National Player of the Year contention because he carried them at the end to win it. Is
1: that Saturday?
0: Craig. Craig. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, them and Craig. That's Yeah, that's what yeah, I was gonna say, that, that, and, and that's and, why and you, you to, didn't want them to win, lose that DePaul game because it would have ruined that matchup. Yeah,
1: thirteen to 13 to zero. And you have to think there there might have been a little look ahead too, right, wrong or indifferent. knowing what's yeah. on the schedule. <laughs> it's,
0: not, it's not a look ahead; it's just the fact that you're playing DePaul. Who the hell cares? No, that's
1: my point. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. I'm I'm literally planning on watching the second half of the DePaul game in a DePaul sixty nine jersey while drinking beers in D'Artagnan's deck in a few weeks. Like that's how much I care about the DePaul game. I don't blame anyone for sleepwalking through that. I, I'm
1: with you. I'm with you. And Obviously, what, you're, you're
0: worried about Joe Hanel coming out and lighting you up? No. Um, but I do want to... Do well, want Tommy to, Hamilton was there. You'd be worried. I would. He's talented. It, it is
1: the second game of the uh, the marathon on Saturday, correct? I think Xavier's the first game at 11, and then Creighton Nova's the second game?
0: I, I believe. think so. Yeah, I 11 in the morning? Don't yeah, Xavier. Xavier. yeah, Xavier's at 11. Why? What it's are the you marathon. complaining about? I'm the one who has to be there, not you. Oh, no, I don't. It's in Georgetown. Never mind. I won't yeah. be there. I'm the one who has butcher to watch butcher. it. I mean, I... I Watch as much as I can to be knowledgeable on this podcast. So why do you suck so
2: bad
1: at it? Because you're going to go 11 one 3, 5, 7, correct? Are those the tip times, I'm assuming? Sure.
0: I mean, Sounds good to me. I don't have the schedule it's in new, me,
1: It's so. New Year's Eve, so get them yeah. out and get them done.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Get them on, get them over, get them in. Didn't, Didn't you miss- have a, a 9 o'clock New Year's Eve one a
2: couple years ago?
1: <laughs> that one that ended on? I mean, I think it, uh, it
2: ended went, almost it, at midnight, oh,
0: right? Oh, oh, it went past oh you mean at, at 9 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the – we watched the ball drop in the media room one night. We stayed in there until about 1.30. Nice. That night, yeah. Did you have any beverages? No. Were you appreciative that night of the Big East? I was. Very? Yeah. You
1: don't sound like it. Sure. You don't sound like it at all. Let's talk about the the Georgetown game. What what do the Hoyas – what issues do the Hoyas present? Who
0: knows? I mean, that's a really good (laughs) question, Skinny. It's not their coaching, I'll tell you that. Um, We've already touched on that before. Yeah, I don't don't know. When they're good, they have enough talent to be good, but – uh, you just don't know what team you're going to get out of Georgetown. I don't, I don't see Xavier losing this game, especially considering there will be about oh, 1,200 Georgetown fans there. on uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. in the Verizon Center, and there will probably be about 1,400 Xavier fans. So it will be a totally dead atmosphere. It will be an early Saturday game on the road. I have no idea what to expect. This could be an awful game to watch.
1: In in the 60s awful or just awful in general
0: awful? I, w- no, I wouldn't put anything past it. It wouldn't surprise me if it was awful. I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier won by 30.
2: Nothing would You would be me. surprised if Georgetown won by 30.
0: I would be surprised if that happened, but <laughs> I'd also be like, hey, it's New Year's Eve at 11 a.m. on the road. and yeah,
2: They're a weird team, man. You think? They've got some temple to them where you look at them and you go, that's a pretty good win. That's a pretty good win. How did how, – what how the did hell did you lose happened? to them,
0: yeah. What the hell happened? What the yeah, hell happened? Yeah, the only difference is they have five-star talent, unlike Temple.
2: Yeah. I'm <laughs> just saying the, their resume is is got some of the same, like, feel to it. Sure.
0: It, just make – Two or three of the guys way more talented than Temple's guys, and they'll be exactly the same as that.
1: Maybe John just gets out of the way on, on Saturday. Well, that'd be a first. That might work. It might work work for the best. <laughs> you just saved his job. There you go. Maybe maybe Pops will come back. Maybe Pops will. Maybe Pops will slip him some notes during the game about stuff to run. Maybe they'll do it do it well because they don't do much Is, well is right that
2: now. their only answer is to bring, bring Grandpa back? Oh, yeah. I'm sure that'll help. Well, no, I mean, get rid of – like, they can't get rid of JT3. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you bring Dad back, then you can push him. Bring Craig Eshrick back.
0: Well, the good news is older JT two will probably die sooner than JT three, so you'll probably be able to get out from under that contract quicker.
1: Maybe be a Carrie Fisher Debbie Reynolds thing. One goes one day, one goes the next. Too soon, maybe. <laughs> probably too soon. Probably
0: too soon. Probably <laughs> too, soon. too soon.
1: Probably. Sorry about that. Let's move along. Let's move along and talk a little Big Ten basketball, where uh, your Indiana Hoosiers, my friend. Took it on the chin to Nebraska last night. And final you, four
2: team. You can't lose to Nebraska at home. Holy cow. Not
0: if you're a final four team. Nebraska's terrible. Terrible. Te- I mean, I love Tim Miles. I like Tim Miles, too. He's very, in, he's, 10 very, miles. he's very entertaining. But he's fallen behind yeah. over there. Yeah. 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 And the funny thing is, two or three
2: years ago, it looked like he was getting that program going in the right direction, and it just never clicked. And they they are awful this year. And you cannot lose that game if you're Indiana.
0: Yeah, that, that used to be the guy tweeting at halftime of games. Now you can't do that when you suck.
1: Um, the, the goofy part to this is that that league can be so hard on the road that... that I no, mean, they, they did not no, do
0: themselves any yeah, favor. Yeah, That's not your, the way to start it then. Yeah, you so. put
1: yourself in a in a really tough spot because you're going to still face five, six, seven hard road games probably still.
2: I mean, I, I think if you're looking at that league, I think right now Purdue looks like probably the best team in the league, right?
0: Yeah. a pretty good smackdown down
1: last night.
2: Wisconsin's right up there, but I think... If I was picking a, a, a Big Ten champion right now, probably be the Boilermakers, and, and
0: Biggie Swanigan is a monster. That's all I was just going to say. Caleb Swannigan is legitimately – I mean, hes he might be in the player of the year yeah. contention here. If he I mean, because you mentioned there's going to be so many big – I mean, he's putting up 20-20 games like like, it's right. his job. And and right now it seems to be flying under the radar a little bit, probably because of their schedule. But you mentioned all the big road games you're going to see in the Big Ten. We know you get into conference play – the Big Ten has some big games on Saturday yeah, nationally televised right. things that everyone's going to see. Caleb Swanigan puts up a couple more of those 20-20 performances on the road in yeah. big games. He's He might be no in the question. conversation by the end of the year. And,
2: and IU, I mean, you can't let yourself lose that game. Like like Purdue is not going to lose at Nebraska
0: or at Penn State or at Northwestern. Or
1: home to Nebraska, you wouldn't y- think. Yeah
0: i tell you what, the Northwestern is the one team that would scare me a little bit. They're little, better than everyone yeah. else thinks, especially when, the, when they get you at their home. Well, floor.
2: And, and I've seen Penn State in person. They're kind of sneaky because they're really talented, but they're incredibly young. So they can be a little bit sneaky as well. I mean, they might jump up and get somebody on their home floor. But I mean, Indiana to lose that game at home is is, is unfathomable.
0: But but moral of the story is that should this be like I mean are are the I mean because you know like I was on the Pigs message board last night our Scouts Indiana site and uh-huh. it well, had I to went, be high entertainment. I went there for entertainment. I knew what I was getting myself into. Yeah, how and was it? obviously. I mean, there's 75 different threads that have different things that Crean did wrong and Fire, why Cream. he needs to be brought out. Yeah. Are they? I mean, are they justified at this point? Like, at some point, do you expect more if you're Indiana basketball? Then? You can't lose to Nebraska at home. Correct. That, I mean, that, 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 that would be the thing about Crean is that this keeps happening. It's not that you're not winning enough or not getting far enough. It's that these embarrassments, these types of things, seem to happen all too often when you shouldn't. Is this a worse loss than Fort Wayne? When it shouldn't happen. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes yeah. Absolutely. I think, so. yeah, I think so, too. 100% a worse loss than Fort Wayne. The Fort Wayne one you can gloss over. You can look past it a lot easier. You can say, you went, you played a game that no one would play. You were on the road in a crazy atmosphere. OG Ananobi was out. It's a special in-state type of thing. Those Correct. kids did what they did. Whatever. This game, it's, this, is, it's, the, this th- is a conference game. This is the one you point to a lot. Of. This is the Big Ten the opener, man. Yeah. It's your first conference game. You can't just show up and lay an egg at home in front of your nah, – not in Assembly Hall, man. You, it's a worse loss without question. Yeah. Well, so I'm there we go. You.
1: Um NKU does open tonight against Detroit. Um favorite. they, they are actually are a favorite on the road, I think a four point favorite for them.
0: Who would have thought that you year started? Uh
1: and, and you've talked about it. you think they've got a real good chance to make a decent run in the horizon league this year, and this is a this is a place to start. I mean you got a road game off the bat and a fifty fifty ish type game.
0: Valpo's clearly better than mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I think Oakland is more talented than them when I look at the roster. After that, they could, I, they I could don't, I don't know for third or fourth. I don't know who you look at in the conference right. and say, that team has more talent than them, that they can't beat that right. team. The, I mean, just you can look at the schedules, you can look at the talent. You, anything you go by in this conference – NKU stacks up favorably with the top four or five teams. I agree. They're going to finish in the top half. Detroit is
1: 2-10 and 10 and 3-12 in the RPI. So uh, uh, even though, again, you are on the road and and you're kind of a fledgling program, this is one that you probably need to get off to a good start yeah, with. are in the mid-major top 25. So. That's right. 24th. Are they 24th this week again? I guess. I don't know. I'm just... You guys, college wait,
0: wait till they're ranked in the A people. Okay. Then we'll talk about it. I,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cite this poll every week, 24th in the college insider.com poll just for you. The mid-major poll,
0: as long as they're not playing in the college insider tournament at the end of the year, I'll be happy. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think
1: they'd be happy they, to play they, something yeah, better. That
0: might be a good, a good step in the process.
1: That might be where Indiana plays but all said and done. Um, I do want to touch on, on Kentucky. Tonight. Are you going to, to Detroit?
0: No, I will not the be D's Because you know why? They don't have not, free beer. Yeah, I'll, you're not heading to the D? I will be watching on ESPN3. I believe you. Yep. Oh, the, he will be.
1: With a free beer in your hand. Well, with a beer in your hand.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it'll be free. Unless someone wants to send, I can uh, you'll, post you'll, my address on Twitter or something if yeah, you want to start shipping. You'll take them up on it. And Kentucky yeah. does open SEC play
1: tonight at Ole Miss. Anything you want to say about that game?
0: No. Suck. Yeah. There you go. Garbage. Just want
1: I just wanted to bring it up in, in the interest of fairness.
0: We we might have said garbage, trash, more a few too many times on the last podcast, <laughs> did we? <laughs> uh, when I went back in editing, did it, you, was, did it was you a count, few more times did, than I thought. Did you count them? What? No, I didn't count them. But the amount of times you that I had edited, man Jones saying it. Yeah, that's the best part. Over top of us, it was a lot. Okay, yeah. I appreciate you doing that because I'm sure it it sounded great. It sounded better than us saying it a hundred times. Yeah,
1: it probably did for sure. All right, here we go. Uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite team, the team we've adopted, UCLA. Big game last night against Oregon. Um, led for a chunk of it. Led into about the what the ten minute inside the ten minute mark of the second half. Oregon though is a really good team, and we even talked about them before the season they're started. Starting to click. So, uh,
0: yeah, I mean they're getting healthy and starting to click. That's the thing. They've been injured all year. You had Dylan Brooks wasn't healthy to start the year. He's just really kind of gotten back to himself. In fact, last night. My might have been the first game we've really seen him look like himself, and then right as he was starting to return, they lose their big man Boucher, Chris Boucher, yeah, um, and that, Bobby Boucher, yeah, and and he that that obviously set them back as well. So he wasn't himself last night either. He wasn't even no. playing at his best. But this Oregon team, I mean, we forget that they were in the thick last yeah, year. They, they were a one, one seed. They right. had a shot to win it all.
2: Yeah, they were a one seed, um, and they, and they were, return
0: almost everybody. And they what lost in the elite eight, right? Yeah. So. I mean, that that team is legitimately talented, and we saw that last night. But we finally saw what you were waiting to see, which is that when this UCLA team, because they don't play any defense and they don't focus on that end a lot and they were willing to trade baskets – all of a sudden, you have a bad half and you don't score ninety-five. Right, right. you lose because you gave up yeah. ninety. And and that's I mean they still were they had the lead with with one second left against a really good team. Against a really good team at their place, so it's not a concern. It's not like you say, oh UCLA wasn't legit or they're they're clearly not as good as we thought. But at the same time, the concern that you've been talking about all along, which is you you've got to lock in more than they lock in on defense. You can't be like the seventy-fifth best team in the country and still think you're going to win a national right. title. And right now they are that bad. I
2: mean, what we've seen in the past is is the teams that win the title are balanced. Yeah. They're top 20 in offense and defense far more often than not. Right. And UCLA defensively is not there.
1: They need Lonzo to take more mid-court shots, jump shots like his brother.
0: How how ridiculous is that? For those that Did didn't you see like that? It, I, I thought it was
1: great. <laughs> Give people the background on it because it, it uh, just where they can find this maybe.
0: Yeah, so Mellow Ball, if you just basically search his name on Twitter. He's a freshman whatever, in high school, right? It'll come up, yeah. Yes. freshman in high school, and this is the Chino Hills team that we've been talking right. about. His dad sort of. Implemented this philosophy of just running and jacking and shooting from wherever you want. The other night, he literally was pointing at a defender saying, I'm going to pull up from right here at half court as he was dribbling the ball up the court. And it was not a heave. It was not from the the hip. It was was jump shot looking. Kept pointing to the spot on the floor where he was going to pull up. Then dribbled right to the midcourt line. Pulled up. And shot a normal three-point shot normal, from half yeah, court normal, normal jump and swished shot. it. Yeah, and it was just a normal possession. And, and it wasn't end of shot clock. It wasn't end of the half. It was just, hey, we're in the middle of the first quarter. Let me just do this. And I'm, embarrass going to, you.
2: I'm going to put a, a 40-footer and on then you. From the, half there court.
1: was no celebration to it. It was just kind of kind of backpedal back to defense. Like this is. No, I, I he expected to make that. Oh, I know he did.
0: So skinny, are you coming around on the idea of teaching four-year-olds how to shoot 30-footers if they're going to no. look that good when
1: they shoot them? No, because there's not enough of them that will look that good shooting them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if they learn that form when they're young, maybe they will. They this is this no. is this is Lamar Ball's philosophy. Eight foot rims starting until they're, a revolution. Eight foot rims until they're in fourth grade. Teach proper form. I'm just saying.
1: Eight eight foot rims. <laughs> That's great. I <laughs> mean, until they're in fourth grade. Okay, well, those shooting thirty footers
2: on eight foot rims. Until, <laughs> I'm okay with that. As until long as, they get proper form. As long
1: as the form's there, I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm okay with that.
0: Why do you hate basketball so much?
1: I don't. Eight foot rims. Kids can't shoot because they, they, they hoist stuff up when they're three, three years old. They can't get to the bucket, and they're all happy with themselves. Yay, I hoisted it from 30 feet, and I barely drew iron. Good for me. <laughs> Mom, guess what? I hit the rim today. Do they Good, get a participation little trophy? They do. They get a pat on the head, a little pat on the head, orange slice, a little juice box. Tell them to go jack up a few more. Good for them. Happy day. All right, uh, final take time for you, Chad Brendel. Yeah, I'm going to go back to uh, UCLA and Oregon and, and,
2: and – one of the things that you know, we spend a lot of time out on the road, and, and one of the things that I think I enjoy more than anything is seeing a kid that that you maybe that isn't getting the hype, a, a bunch of national hype, because he's probably not a big time pro prospect. But every time you watch him play, you're like, man, this kid's going to be a really, really good college player. Uh, and you saw that come to fruition last night with Peyton Pritchard. Uh, who is Oregon's point guard uh, career at 15 points, and, and really doing a good job developing into a guy that's going to run the show for four years for Dana Altman. Um, I, I know we talked a lot about him in the car driving back and forth to different events, uh, Rick. It just it, We knew, we had a sense, this kid had what it takes to be a really, really good college point guard. And and I, I really enjoyed that side of it. When you get to find kids that, you know, that seeing – Harry Giles or Malik Monk, that's easy.
1: Yeah, and and it's cool because you know where they're heading.
2: Right. I mean, it's easy to look at those guys and go, those guys are incredible, and they're going to the NBA. I just get a kick out of finding some guys that, you know, end up being really, really good college players and, and, you know, watching them develop and, and, and grow into that role. And once they get to college to start making that impact. And and we saw it from from Peyton Pritchard last night. And uh, just, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's always something I like and get a kick out of while we're on the road.
0: Yeah, and, and he's a guy that we obviously had kind of an earlier feel for because Xavier was recruiting him. When, yeah. when Rick Carter, who's now the associate head coach at DePaul, when he was on staff, he thought he had a shot at landing him. Mean, he was really going all out for him and T.J. Leaf, actually, at yeah, the time. Yeah, we, we saw were them, teammates. Yeah, we saw them for the first time uh, together. And, and so we kind of followed them a little bit closer because of that. And, and I loved Peyton Pritchard's game knew he was going to be really good. The funny thing about him though is you saw him hit the big 3 last night. He hasn't been shooting the ball all that well at this right. point, but in high school all the national scouts were like, "He's a gun." Yeah, he can really shoot, he can score, but he's a gun. He doesn't pass at all. He's not necessarily a point guard. See, he might be a I, two guard. And I did and, a,
2: I never agreed with and that.
0: And I always thought he was he had tremendous feel for the game. And as we've seen in college now, now a lot of the national guys are starting to gush about his improved passing ability. And it's like, "Well, nah, I mean, this that was is, always there." Yeah, he did that in high school too. You guys were just uh, over With him shooting a lot of threes And it's like well If you're going to score 30 Score 30 You know what I mean Like go ahead and do it If you can do it But like the passing Was always there And he has a high assist rate Which is no shock to me Yeah Right. Final take from you though We've talked We've been trying to bring up Some names throughout the year Like Lonzo Ball I think we put people on Like that's really fun Watch him when he's on Here's a name that I don't think people may have been watching, and we've talked a lot about point guards this year and how good point guard play is, but we haven't mentioned this name. Dennis Smith from North Carolina is uh, North Carolina State is absolutely – He's a highlight, highlight film. He's absolutely worth watching. Last night he had 20-something points and 17 assists uh, for one. So he can, That's
1: accounting for 54 points,
0: 50-some-odd 50 points. He can really pass the ball as well, sort of like Alonzo uh, Ball, but the thing about him is he's more explosive in terms explosive. of an athlete. Even Chad would think he's athletic. Um, Last night he had an incredible dunk. Uh, Came
2: right down the lane and just, the,
0: the I think best it was against part, Wagner.
2: The best part though was the the big guy from Wagner was under the rim and as he saw him coming, he slid like four steps to the right. Like, nah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen your mixtape. <laughs> you know, you know who, uh, he, who who he played AAU with? I do not. Bam Adebayo. Really? Yeah, that was a was, decent team. There was a how a, many lobs were, were done in that in, in those games? Hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> uh, there was some thought that he was going to go to NC State. With
0: with Smith and Bam reevaluated, he
1: reevaluated Mark Godfrey and said thanks, but well, no thanks. Look,
0: and that's the thing: no one wants to watch Mark Godfrey coach. No one wants to watch NC State play basketball. It might not be a team on your radar, but if you catch them on, on a random fun, Saturday, yeah. it's worth watching. Dennis Smith.
1: They're eleven and two, and he'll still find a way to muck it up. He will. He's, he will find
0: he
2: a is, way. He is. He is the Jeff Fisher. He is Teflon. Is Teflon? Yes. He is brother. the Jeff Fisher of college basketball because somehow he finds a way to go eight and eight or nine and nine. Every and every u- conference, and it's season.
1: usually they're they're sitting where they are right now. Yep, they, have, they go three and seven, then they have to scramble, go to the tournament, probably win a game, maybe even two, and he finds a way to save it every yep. time. Every time, there you go.
0: All right, anything else, guy. boys? That's I, it. That's I hate it. that
2: guy, Mark Aufre. I, I
0: don't hate him. him. Do you uh, hate him? I don't care about him. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't care either way. Okay. I'm indifferent. Okay. You're usually indifferent. Yeah, he's... You don't hate much, do you? No. Chad hates a he's lot. He's an
1: angry guy. Chad hates a lot. Yeah,
0: he, he he should be like the junior to your guy's podcast. <laughs> he's the angry boy. I
1: may do that. Maybe I have to pipe him in at some point. Yeah,
0: the angry boy. The Just have him boy. call in and yep. rant for 30 minutes.
1: I'll have you come on and be poppy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that mid, drunk, drunk uh, Cuban sounds it, more in my per,
2: perfect. My favorite poppy thing is when he says it's time to sell some ads. And on, it doesn't sound exactly like it's
1: ads. It's time to sell <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, there's
2: no D. The D is, the D is quite signed. And, and Levitard every time goes, ads, Yeah, ads. My father
0: said ads. I don't think it's prostitution is legal in <laughs>
1: Miami. <laughs> mm, maybe. You never know. I said
0: legal, <laughs> oh, legally, skinny. My not, bad. Not, my bad. not that it wasn't going on. My bad.
1: <laughs> All right, boys, have a good New Year's Eve. Don't make it amateur hour like a lot of people do. Be a professional drinker like me. Have yourselves a good one. We're back on Monday on the podcast. <laughs> Brown paper bag. Boom.